0: to Restart Radio, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we do not focus on the new shiny, shiny things to buy. We focus on the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. Our monthly community electronics repair events here in London are just the beginning. My name is Ugo Vallauri from The Restart Project, and I'll be your host today. I'm joined by longtime Restart volunteer and repair specialist, Ben Skidmore. Hi. Welcome, Ben. And today we have a very, very special guest. Uh, it's uh, Pi Day, and we're celebrating it uh, with a special interview with uh, Raspberry Pi creator, Ibn Upton. Ibn, welcome to the show so uh great to have you with us so we our show concentrates on uh, great uses of technology and electronics that actually enhance our ownership of technology and gives us a way to extend the lifespan of the products that we already have as opposed to looking into better future uh, shiny gadgets now we wanted to celebrate uh, the achievements of Raspberry Pi uh, with you uh, today. Uh, it's been quite uh, a year recently for you.
1: Yeah, so we've just celebrated our fifth uh, our fifth birthday. Um, we um, we were this Raspberry Pi was born on the 29th of February two thousand and twelve. We just celebrated our fifth birthday to the extent that anyone who's born on the twenty uh, ninth uh, of February has a fifth birthday. Uh, but yeah, we've we've sold our twelve millionth Raspberry Pi. Uh, We've just launched a new Raspberry Pi last week, called Raspberry Pi Zero W, uh, and yeah, it really seems to be going from strength to strength.
0: So, while uh, it's Pi Day, uh, I think we need to disambiguate this. Uh, the Raspberry Pi doesn't really take its name from Pi as the number, right?
1: No, so it takes its name from uh, from Python. The uh, it takes its name from Python, the computer programming language Python. Um, the, the, it's pi because we thought that the, uh, the, the the Greek letter pi would make a would make a fantastic logo, and of course we've ended up with a picture of a raspberry as our logo, so kind of a little bit of an orphan name.
0: There are many many fruits used for logos and names of electronics products. Do, do you know why why is that the case? What there seems to be a recurring theme.
1: So I think I mean I think it all goes back to Apple, right? Um, I think Apple were probably the first people to get there. There was like. Uh, a a crop i guess of uh, of british technology companies in the 1980s named after fruit there was an apricot uh, and there was a tangerine uh in, in cambridge um but yeah there's um there's, quite a lot of the the more common fruits have been used so we kind of ended up uh, we ended up with raspberry
0: and can you tell us a little bit more um, what is exactly the Raspberry Pi? If you are speaking to someone who might not have used it before, uh, by, but might have its life transformed uh, by accessing one.
1: So a Raspberry Pi is a, it's a it's a PC, right? So it's a uh, it's a computer that you plug into your television, and it turns your television into a it turns your television into a computer. Um, it's a little little piece of PCB, a little piece of circuit board the size of a credit card. Uh, You plug it into your television, you plug a mouse and a keyboard into it, and you use a mobile phone power supply uh, to provide power to it. And uh, and what you have at the end is something you would recognize as a PC, but something that ships with all the tools that a young person would need to learn the program.
0: And and that was exactly your original aim uh, with the Raspberry Pi. Do do you have different views now that it's used by millions of people for all kinds of purposes? (laughs)
1: Well, the real surprise for us has been that it's not just kids who are interested in Raspberry Pi. So we have adults using Raspberry Pi as well, um, to, uh, to either to learn to program or to do projects on. We have a lot of adults who already know how to program um, and who, who use it as a, as a tool. And then we have a lot of industrial users. So we have a lot of people who are using Raspberry Pi as a platform for building their own products on. Uh, we have a lot of people who are embedding Raspberry Pi into their own devices
0: yeah we we saw on uh, your website an interesting case um study uh, of how you're using it to power up uh, certain types of televisions and uh, i I was quite curious because it seems to hint at the potential for more modular electronics going forward
1: yeah absolutely and this is something uh you know, kind of going to the reuse angle this is a um a, yeah this idea that uh There are a lot of people out there who have televisions, who have display devices, who have old peripherals, old mice and keyboards, old mobile phone uh, chargers. Um, That this is kind of the missing piece that those people can use to take those old pieces of hardware that would otherwise go to the tip, that would otherwise get scrapped. It's the missing, the Raspberry Pi is the missing piece that sits in the middle of all those components and turns those kind of scrap pieces of hardware back into a viable computer.
0: So in the example that we read about your computer model, um, we we were quite uh, intrigued by how um, high-end TV could uh, have a space for an embeddable Raspberry Pi module inside and this transforming it into a more intelligent, to use a different name for otherwise smart devices. Mm-hmm. And And what we liked there was particularly... That it could be simple to take out and potentially upgrade the moment something more useful or something broke.
1: Yeah, that's right. So there's this idea that um, you know often the only thing that uh, often the only reason that people discard you know a uh, you know a laptop um, uh, is because it's it's you know m- much of the you know the chassis is still good, the storage is still good, the display and the keyboard are still good, uh, but the uh, you know uh, processor technology or memory technology is on. And so having devices which are more modular, which admit of, uh, if you can find a way to make a device modular without kind of crippling its cost structure, um, then it certainly does introduce the possibility that the amount of stuff that you dispose of in each generation uh, will will go down. And some of these displays that are now being designed by, by our partners, NEC, uh, to take uh, that, take Raspberry Pi compute modules. That's absolutely the intention. You know, we hope over the lifetime of one of those displays that it might see two or three different generations of Raspberry Pi inside a single panel.
0: And, and this really seems to work well with the frustration that often consumers and users of technology seem to have um, around maybe a smart TV being designed with a very short uh, life cycle, software-wise, and uh, often with operating systems that run really slow and get people really upset. Uh, ben has been testing and playing around with Raspberry Pis to create media servers. Mm. and So I was wondering if you could share some of that.
2: Yeah, the the thing that struck me was um, back in, I guess, something like early 2000s, when they brought out uh, DAB and DVB and they wanted to say, okay, TV's going digital. I think they thought everyone was gonna have to buy a new TV but someone clever came up with the Freeview box and suddenly this small upgrade kept your tech working. And I've done the same thing with Raspberry Pis for relatives where I've helped them get online to things like BBC iPlayer by uh, just putting a small box on top of their TV and showing them how to work it. So, uh, Eben, one of the things uh,
0: that struck us about the story of the Raspberry Pi is that it's one of few products that's entirely manufactured in the UK and at very large scales, whereby most other people tend to move manufacturing to China as soon as they can. What's made this possible?
1: And we're big. We're very big believers. Uh, as you know, we're very big believers in in the UK as a place, as a venue for manufacturing. You know, it's obviously been a place where we've done a lot of manufacturing in the past. We still have a kind of a a, uh, a kind of a, a concentration of, uh, particularly at the higher end, the kind of high technology manufacturing is still something Britain's very good at. Um, we've got uh, one of the reasons why we've built in the UK in particular is because it allows us to learn fast. So you know, you, as you. As you produce a product, you know we build 12 million Raspberry Pi's. As you build, if you build 12 million or something, you learn things. Um, if you're building it on the other side of the world, the speed with which that slows down the speed with which you can incorporate those lessons back into the design of your product. Where if you build, we build in South Wales, uh, you know it's four, a four-hour drive from our office in Cambridge to the factory in South Wales, and that means that we're we're able to ride that experience curve very very fast. It's one of the reasons why we you know we been doing this for five years we've introduced you know sort of seven or eight different iterations of our product over that time
0: excellent and um, so you would be encouraging of the for, for the new generation of makers to really think a bit differently about how they tend to offload everything to uh china and beyond
1: yeah i think you're i think someone who does that is giving up a very valuable source of competitive advantage right even if Maybe it feels like, I mean, it's actually, as it happens, it's cheaper. You know, now we've written that experience curve, it's substantially cheaper for us to build that device in uh, the UK than it is to build in China. But even if you felt it was uh, a little more expensive to build in the UK, um, by offshoring your manufacturing, putting it in a different country where people speak a different language, uh, which is physically and culturally remote from you, you give up a very powerful source of competitive advantage. Uh, I think by, by, by um, uh, not being able to kind of capture those lessons as quickly
0: Another factor that uh, is probably at the heart of the success of uh, Raspberry Pi is the pricing of the product. And uh, as generation after generation, we've seen the emergence of more and more shocking low prices, and particularly with the Raspberry Pi Zero. And the new one, uh, which has extra Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, uh, still fits within the $10 mark. And how is that
1: possible? Um, I think a, a, a combination of things. One is that that kind of experience effect that we uh, that, that, that I mentioned, um, yeah, which allows us to, and that that's allowed us to do is to uh, to kind of every component on, particularly on that very low cost board on the zero and the zero W that, that you mentioned. Um, we, we we sweat every single component, every level, every resistor, every capacitor, every connector on that board has to pay for itself. It's only there because the device wouldn't work without it, and that's the that's an unusual approach, I guess. That's an unusually aggressive approach to product design, but it's worked very well for us. And as you say, it's let us let us get down south of our cheapest. You know, our, the most expensive Raspberry Pi we make uh, will cost you less than thirty pounds. The cheapest Raspberry Pi we make will cost you less than five. Uh, and that's, you know, as you say, it's it's, it's a big source of, uh, sort of source of differentiation for us. Like there aren't many other people out there selling five pound computers. Um,
0: perhaps a provocation, but. If the price keeps going down, um, aren't you afraid that at times people might just buy them uh, without necessarily thinking twice about like it being potentially a disposable device one that you might use for a very short period and then put away or throw away potentially uh, is there what's the future as more and more devices become so much cheaper?
1: it's, uh, yeah, it's, just, it's a yeah it's a very interesting question. Um, and it speaks to kind of issues around, you know, um, the limits of, I mean, circular, circularity, you know, sort of circular you know, design for sort of design for the circular economy is something I'm extremely interested in. And there is this question of, like, you know, is the, should you be trying to build things that are a little more expensive, a little bigger, a little heavier, have more atoms in, but which are better designed for either longer term use or, or um, circular reuse? Or should you uh, accept that, you know, probably in the area of compute, um, there are going to be things which are just kind of irreducible disposable pieces of kit and just focus on trying to make those as small and unimpactful as possible when, when they're disposed of. And I think it's something we don't really have a particularly good answer for. I think we just mostly just point to the weight of our products. If you measure, you, know, you usually measure the impact of electronic waste by, by weight, um, it, you can fit an awful lot of Raspberry Pis in a ton. Um, and, and I guess, you know, as, we, as we've driven down price – We've Driven down weight, and, and, and so even if some of them do get disposed of, we do feel that we're kind of driving down our environmental impact.
2: Something I've found is really great is um, I own two Raspberry Pis personally, and I, I work on many, but those two have uh, been lent to several friends and family, and they just get reused and reused because actually they can do so many tasks that none of them have become obsolete for me.
1: And of course, you know, we, we work very hard on the software, but that's you know, one. one one thing you'll find us doing, you know, we released that, our Pixel desktop environment, our kind of improved desktop environment last year. We designed that so it will run on the Raspberry Pis that we were selling back in 2012. So we've so far been successful and maybe one day
0: Another interesting angle is uh, whether people might or might not be able uh, to repair uh, Raspberry Pis when they face a problem. And we did a bit of research and could only find small uh, exchanges on your forum of people uh, sharing stories about buying secondhand half-broken devices and and fixing them. But obviously, when the price point for these products is so low, uh, that raises the question of whether... It will really take someone truly passionate to go for it.
1: Yeah, this isn't, uh, certainly the, the, and this is what I mean when I talk about kind of like some sort of irreducible bit at the middle of a device which is so high tech that it can only be manufactured or repaired using incredibly specialist hardware. And so you can imagine someone, if you've got a bent USB connector or a broken network connector on the device, you could imagine someone desoldering one of those with a soldering iron. If there's some problem down in the down it, Well, if, if there's a problem in the silicon, you're kind of doomed. If there's a problem with how that silicon is attached to the board, well, yeah, I guess maybe somebody with, with with amazing kit could do something about it. But ultimately, there is that kind of area in the middle of the board, which is pretty much if that breaks, uh, you're, you're doomed. And therefore, we put a lot of attention into making sure that bit is as robust as possible.
0: You mentioned uh, the weight of the product. Obviously, um, we've done... A bit more work in looking at uh the life cycle uh, assessment of electronics and uh, do you see any scope in optimizing and reducing uh the footprint of not just the weight of uh, future iterations of pies
1: um i uh, it's interesting of course because you know semiconductors have this kind of somewhat uh, i guess uh, you know they, they have large environmental footprints particularly in terms of the use of water uh, in, in manufacturing devices um, I suspect there's a, I suspect that's kind of irre, that's kind of irreducible um, uh, so so yeah I, I I don't know I think it's it, it's always it's it's it can be it's problematic it's one of the reasons why making devices you can reuse making devices that have long lifetimes um, is, uh, is is probably the single largest thing you can do uh, to limit the kind of unit impact, kind of impact per uh, impact per per unit work done with a computer uh, to try and make things that last for a long time and a reasonably
0: upgraded. Oh, and in fact, what you said about the software support, we found to be possibly one of the key aspects that in most products we see on the market uh, tends to be abandoned uh, mm-hmm. much sooner than the five years that you're, Supporting the uh, um I have a last question, which is um, about what are your favourite uh, reuse projects that you've seen empowered by the over the last few
1: years? So I guess um, you know things we've enjoyed seeing people do. We've enjoyed seeing people do there are some, some really nice automotive applications with people using older, you know, uh, upgrading the uh, uh, upgrading the electronics in older cars. Uh, so you know. You, but an older car. You can get a lot more, a little more life out of it if you can, you know, upgrade its kind of dashboard experience. Uh, we've seen people, uh, particularly in the developing world, because we can drive an analog television. Um, we've seen people in the developed and developing world um, uh, taking old televisions and kind of embedding these inside. Wait, you know, you were talking earlier about new televisions which are designed to um, uh, to attach a Raspberry Pi, you know, to to embed a Raspberry Pi, uh, kind of as exciting or more exciting to us than people who are finding old. Um, analog, often on analog televisions, squeezing a Raspberry Pi in there, and, you know, turning an abandoned, old, you know, but perfectly good CRT television um, into a uh, into a workable entry level
0: computer. And actually, part of your uh, vision, if I understand correctly, is to empower more users with limited access to. Um, grid electricity across the developing world to be able to use computing with Raspberry Pis. Do you have specific plans to to go in that direction?
1: So we, um, our engagement with the developing world to date has been quite, um, it's been a little sporadic. I think, you know, we have enough, we have plenty of problems in this country with uh, terms of access to technology. So we've been We've I mean, largely a passive. There have been some wonderful things that have happened, but we've been largely a passive participant in that. And one of the exciting things over the next couple of years for us is about trying to push out, particularly into Africa. Um, uh, to, to you know, I think we we went and did some research. It Looks like there are maybe 80 million um, CRT televisions in Africa. Um, uh, the, the cost of Raspberry Pi is so low that um, you could very very easily turn those into uh, um, uh, turn those into uh, uh, computers, which has the double benefit one, of providing large numbers of people who don't have access to compute with compute, and two, kind of deferring the disposal of these devices, which are otherwise going to end up in a uh, landfill in Africa somewhere.
0: Thank you, ibn uh, for uh, this interview, and uh, we look forward to the future anniversary for even more Raspberry Pi news. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> so uh ben happy pi day happy pi day (laughs) uh what what do you make of the flexibility of the raspberry pi as as a user
2: i love it um i didn't envisage anything when i first heard about it I, i remember exactly where i was and i was teaching in schools trying to get children excited about electronics so i was actually in the van on the way to a school and I just—it was reminded. I was reminded of my childhood having things like a ZX Spectrum. That it was a computer that plugged into the TV, and that was super exciting. But I never thought it would be so widely adopted uh, by pretty much everyone. Um, as an electronic engineer, it just shows up in all kinds of projects. And uh, you've been using it also as a
0: gaming platform,
2: yeah. Unexpectedly, so I, I grew up in the mid '80s onwards, and playing eight and sixteen-bit games. So. I tend to get my classic fix now by uh, by running it on a platform like a Raspberry Pi, yeah. So running it uh, on a Raspberry
0: Pi, what do you mean? Uh, are you referring to connecting it to an old TV or what is exactly does that entail?
2: Um, so the plan is to connect it to an old TV and build an arcade machine, but right now I plug into my regular TV, um, but you, you can emulate all kinds of old classic uh, devices and there's plenty of source material to play that's open. Uh, so I can play a lot of stuff that I enjoyed as a kid uh, now, uh, wherever I want, really.
0: And um, as an educational tool, um, have
2: you been using it uh, as an engineering student? Uh, it's an option. Uh, so at uni, we're aware of the the broader family of embedded boards and microcontrollers, and there are myriad options. Um, but uh, my final project at university right now, Uh, I have opted to use the Raspberry Pi because it it actually provides a really great software to hardware interface rather than having a computer with software and some hardware you have to build to do the hardware interfacing. The Pi lets you have those things available as software libraries. So it's like one rounded solution. Excellent.
0: Um, What are the other uh, types of uses that you've seen or witnessed
2: people uh, going for with it? Uh, The one that's kind of ubiquitous is the the home media center. Uh, And it's great because the kind of people who used to set up a server and have a file server, which means an extra PC running all the time, can now offload that to a tiny low-energy device. It makes no noise. It makes no real heat. Uh, And so that's become very common. What would that be used for? Uh, So you can um, have all of your media, like your own music collection and your movies, uh, on a hard drive and you can serve those over a network to a few users in your home. So if you have, for instance, I live with three people and we all get our our music collections and put them together and then we can all listen in any room of the house wirelessly.
0: And um, have you had a chance to test or learn a bit more about the Pixel uh, operating
2: system that uh, Raspberry Pi released? I haven't yet. Um, So the idea is that they've taken the same uh, front end for the operating system on the Pi and made it available for PCs. So if you're a developer, you can have the same native environment on your own computer. And so that's the next step for me, as I start developing my software for the Pi, uh, is to move it to my real PC as well and, uh, and, and get familiar. So
0: that means that it can be applied to multiple other computing devices, uh, all kinds of old PCs. And it's one mm. of many iterations of a Linux versions very much uh, simplified so that people can just have a very conventional, easy to access computer experience. That's right. So you've you've also experienced a a little bit of repair challenges with uh, the Pi, if I understand. Mm. What can go wrong on a Pi, in your experience? Um,
2: The the most common thing, uh, so it's a relatively small board. It has a low component count, and most of them are small surface mount components. But there's one big capacitor near the power supply in the corner. And it, it often, because the board is so small and portable, it often gets knocked off if you shove the pie in your bag or drop it off a desk. And so I've seen quite a few that just need that a new one soldering on, and it's just one component, really straightforward. And,
0: yeah, we were reading on the Raspberry Pi uh, forum that uh, one of the other things that could go wrong is... Uh, The SD card Mm -hmm. uh, holder can go wrong and there's an instructable that explains how that could be fixed. Mm -hmm. Although obviously that raises the question, aside from the um, obvious environmental impact of preserving some of these devices from going to waste, uh, the amount of uh, dedication and at times quite high-end soldering skills required Mm -hmm.
2: can be a barrier It can be. um, But I think the great thing about the pie is it's going to encourage more people to develop skills in these areas. So because people maybe age 10 now will get into programming, age 20, they'll start electronic engineering degrees and learn those soldering skills. So as it becomes a more viable repair, I think more people are going to learn how to do it because they do want to repair their stuff.
0: And also, um, it's quite easy to to be found if you search on platforms like uh, ebay
2: and the likes you can see people trading them i think that's the real winner with the Pi is um it's got such a, a big user base already that there's a lot of support for hardware software problems um it having a lot of people behind something helps it keep going and that's one of the tenets of the open source movement is it depends on people who want to contribute so there's there's strength in numbers
0: Another project that we've heard of, and actually I believe Ibn quite like it as well, um, is the Rachel, which is reusing uh, old pies, uh, I believe in collaboration with Computer Aid, a charity that redistributes secondhand uh, computers uh, to developing regions and installs a localized version of Wikipedia with tons of content uh, that can be reused uh, offline. Um, I'm not sure how useful this might be uh, to other people, but uh, it's an extra way to access computing resources.
2: Yeah, I think the great thing about that is the idea is the Pi is like a hub to serve it via Wi-Fi. So in places where people do have a smart device but don't have access to data, multiple users can access that at the same time. So does that mean that the Pi could be used as
0: um, a source of content accessible via Wi-Fi? Yeah, it's kind of like a, a local library. And because some of the most recent Pis actually feature Wi-Fi on board, mm-hmm. that means that people could directly connect to it?
2: Is Absolutely, that- yeah. So ready to go. And it, and if that device is not being accessed as a PC, it doesn't need a display either. So you set it up and it runs headless and it can just be embedded in a, in a wall, in a door frame, and everyone has access. That's quite fascinating. And is there
0: one application that you'd like to see uh, or to work on uh, as a project, uh, embedding the Pi in some other piece of
2: electronics? Um, yeah, one. Now that the, the Zero is out, which is kind of you know as big as your thumb and incredibly low energy. Now that that has Wi-Fi embedded, I want to basically strap it to the back of my sound system. And so I can control my sound system from anywhere in my house with my media library. So that's a project for the summer, I think. Excellent.
0: Uh, Except that it might take you a while, from what I understand, in getting hold of one of these zeros. They're so cheap that they're impossible to get hold of. More cheap and useful. Uh, Less than 10 pounds, I believe. So thank you for uh, all of this, Ben, and for listening. Uh, We have... A lot of restart party action happening this weekend uh, in London. Two restart parties happening, in, one in Ikenham, uh, Saturday from 12, and one in Shoreditch, at the Shoreditch Library organized by the Hackney Fixers. And one additional event happening on Sunday on, at the Good Life Center very near the station here um, in south of the river uh, from 2pm. You can find more information about these and other upcoming events on the restart project website uh, at restartproject.org or on social media at restartproject we have one uh, final announcement next week we're going to be talking about genius bars or as i believe they're now called a genius grove and apple experience with repair Uh, if you've had any interesting experience with that uh, please share it uh, on Twitter, at Restart Project, and we'd love to hear from you, your frustrations and success stories with that. Thank you for listening. Uh, Until next week, bye.